Hi, you're listening to The Business of Farming, a series of talks from the Young Farmer Business Programme, brought to you by the New South Wales Department of Primary Industries. I'm Selena Shannon, and this episode was recorded at the 2020 conference in Dubbo. It was the first of its kind, and we're excited to share with you the best of the content from the day. Welcome young farmers and fishers. We're piling into the theatre at the Dubbo Regional Convention Centre. 300 young farmers and fishers have come together to hear from some of the brightest and best business leaders. We're kicking things off with a session about setting up your business for success. You might remember Sterling Mortlock. How many hands up who's, who knows rugby? Fair few. Hands up if you remember me playing rugby. Yes. Cool, cool. Sterling Mortlock, former rugby union player and captain of the Wallabies, the Canberra Brumbies and the Melbourne Rebels. In his sporting career, he scored over 1,000 points in Super Rugby and nearly 500 test points for the Wallabies. Eight years ago, Sterling transitioned into a career in finance. In 2017, he brought together his on-field leadership skills and business experience and founded his own company, Unio Advisors. Sterling came out to our conference to share the secrets to becoming successful, not just in business, um, but in life. I'm here to talk to you today about lessons that I've learnt from both sport and business, because I have been in business for the last sort of eight years or so, um, and a lot of those uh, lessons and attributes that I learnt in sport are absolutely applicable in, in business. So the first one is have a plan, and I'm going to talk to you about, I guess, my exposure to goal setting uh, both from a personal level and then likewise from a collective level uh, and a team point of view and then likewise a business. The second one is being optimistic. And this is a really important attribute I think that we've all got to have individually but likewise uh, as a business. Um, the third one is having clarity of purpose and alignment. And it's so powerful when you personally have that but also when you're in a company or group that you have that real clarity and simplicity and align to what we're trying to do. The last one is probably just a, a nice one to, to have, which is called smell the roses. And it's a nice phrase to basically say, enjoy your small wins, enjoy the journey, enjoy times that you, that you have when you can be positive and smell the roses. And that was one that, uh, a phrase that Rod McQueen used to have. And Rod McQueen was our, still is our, our most successful uh, Wallabies coach of all time. So the first one, have a plan. Now, I was very, very lucky. Uh, I left school when I was 17. I always claim it was because I was, you know, accelerated learning and I left early. Um, but I was just young. I was just young. And halfway through my first year at uni, I turned 18. But I was very lucky that in that year that I actually met uh, who was my coach at the time, a man by the name of Gordon Ogilvie, who became my rugby mentor. And it was first year out of school. And Gordon was an ex-Zimbabwean, much similar to South Africans, in that rugby was religion. Absolutely loved rugby. And he used to always get up and, and basically have these big speeches to the team. And it almost like, take a knee, boys, that sort of stuff. And he talked to us about, about everything. But, one time Gordo got us all in after training and I still remember this to this day. He said, gentlemen, 
If you want something to come true in this life, you must write it down. And he's, oh, that was my attempt at an accent. There was no accident, accent there, though. But um, Gordo basically said, if you want something to come true, write it down. Write down your goals. Share it with your parents. Share it with me. Share it with someone that you can be accountable to. And it was at a time in the season where we were coming about, I think it was eighth, and he was talking about setting a goal for the team and also writing down goals for ourselves. Now, I don't know how many people did it at the time, but I was at uni, first year uni. On my lecture notes, I went down and wrote, wrote my goals. I must, I must have been really focusing on the lecture. Um, but I, I, I wrote down my goals. And at the time, Gordon, he was a coach of the fourth grade Colts team. And I was in fourth grade Colts. So Colts back in those days was under, 21, under 21s. So I wasn't even playing against Opens. And it was fourth grade, which was the lowest team in our club. And at the very top of the page, I wrote, play for Australia. Um, then I wrote, play for Australia under 21s. Then I wrote, play for Gordon first grade. Play for Gordon first grade Colts. And basically, that was my roadmap. And then on the other side of the page, I wrote some attributes. Don't let anyone get in your way of making this happen. Do two gym sessions a week, two speed sessions a week. And one other sort of mentality around that. Now, little, and then I went back to training, handed Gordo my, my, my page, said, Gordo, there's my notes. There's my goals, sorry. Didn't really think much of it, really, didn't think much of it. And he said, Sterla, thank you. That moment was the single most turning point, most pivotal point in my, my life, really. Two years from that day, Gordo called me up. Sterlo, you've achieved all your goals. So it took me two years to go from that environment to playing first grade Colts, to playing first grade grade, to then being picked to go on tour for the Wallabies. And he said, time to set new ones. And I did. And then I guess that whole journey, I got, you know, got picked to play professionally. You learn about goal setting, you learn about smart goals, you learn about everything around how this all works. But for me, the start was just putting pen to paper and sharing it. And for me, that's a really, really powerful thing. And I did that individually. Likewise, once I got involved with the Brumbies and then the Wallabies and then in leadership, every single year we would go through as a group and set out our plan, our goals for the season. And then likewise, we would look at our values as well. What is going to govern us day in, day out? What's our collective why? And that's so critical to do that. And even if you're in a small company with just a couple of people, it's really important to understand what are we going to try to achieve this year and what values are we going to buy into so that we're all bound together to this. One of the things that I like to do from a personal point of view is think about, let's say, like it was for me, I want to play for Australia, right? And I was playing fourth grade Colts. It is so far away at this stage. And personally, I love having big, hairy goals, big, outlandish goals. You might not get there, 
but you'll get pretty close. But for me, what was powerful was actually then looking at that person. So playing for Australia, me playing for Australia. What skills, attributes, and mentality does that person have, right? Even the mindset of that person, my future self, hopefully. What, what does that look like? What does it feel like? And then it's very simple to go, okay, at the time I was like 95 kilos or whatever, 90 kilos. I need to be faster, I need to be stronger, I need to be more powerful. I need these skills, I need to be, I need to have a presence about me on the field like Tim Horan or Jason Little. And then it gives you a really easy roadmap to say, this is what I need to focus on for the next period of time to hopefully be that person. So to me, that mindset individually is very, very easy to start plugging in a roadmap, working backwards. And then the next one, once you set those goals, you've got that sort of framework. It's all about driving improvement, day in, day out. Getting a mentor. I was lucky in rugby, I had three mentors. I mentioned Gordon Ogilvie. I had two other guys who were you know, influential massively to my career. And all, they, all those guys were never in the, in the elite environment. They're never part of the, the professional teams that I was with. And they were critical for me to getting feedback and, and I guess, keeping me in check. There was times when I ring up Gordy. I ring him up and he's like, how are you going, Stella? And I'd be like, man, I'm just, I'm getting annoyed. I'm not playing as well as I'd like. You know, things aren't going as well as I'd hope. And all the times he'd just say, Stella, you can't always win. You can't always be the best. But sometimes those simple things like that from a mentor outside of your cocoon environment is so good to hear that, to give you peace of mind and clarity. The second thing is investing yourself. Um, in sport, that was very easy for us um, because you are so laser focused and everything is about driving improvement. But in corporate and working day to day, a lot of times we get so filled up with working in the business, not actually taking a step back and working on the business from a planning point of view, but then also personally, what can I do? What course can I do? What university or any, any online course that's going to benefit me personally? Uh, it's a real, real important one. And the last one is similar to a mentor, but surrounding yourself with quality, whether it be quality people, quality resources, Anyone that, anyone that can help you get to where you want to go. Um, so if I think about it from an from a, um, athletic performance point of view or when I was playing rugby, I used to have uh, an external, I used to have a masseuse, I used to end, end up getting a chiropractor, acupuncturist, a Pilates instructor. Um, often I'd have an external speed person as well. All these things were totally separate from the cocoon environment that was a professional sporting club because I wanted to surround myself with quality. And it may have only been 1% difference it gave me, or it may have been nothing. But for me, the placebo effect is absolutely alive and true. If you think this is going to make me better, if you're putting time and effort into this making me better, it will make you better. That's, I guess, all around having that plan. Once you have that plan, a lot of things come into place.
The second one, being optimistic, having a growth mindset. Does everyone know the phrase growth mindset? No, okay. So I guess for, for, my, for my sort of exposure to it, growth mindset people versus a closed mindset person. So a closed mindset person will, will always say, this is the way I do it, this is how I do it, and I don't do anything. And basically, if things go wrong, well, that's because of this and this and this, whereas a growth mindset person will always look at opportunities as growth opportunities, and I look at something and say, okay, what's the best way that I can, I can do this, this, this core role right now? And make a call on it. And then if it doesn't work, a person with a growth mindset would say, what can I learn from this experience? How can I be positive? How can this be, 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 be something that actually defines me for getting better to growing from this? And they've actually gone through it, the studies. People with growth, growth mindset versus closed mindset typically are mentally better, more resilient than everything else. Physically in health, they're better, and then also financially they're, they're better off as well. Growth mindset is, is a significant thing. But overcoming adversity is, is a big one, and it's about resilience, and there's a, few, a lot of cues with that. But for me, a big one, and often the phrase that comes to mind, and one that we had, was mistakes aren't fatal, but I much prefer to say, as opposed to a double negative, aren't fatal. I much prefer to say mistakes are learning or growth opportunities. And that's something that in sport was very, very, very easy. So when I was playing every week, you'd win or you'd lose, that result is binary. Then you go through and look at all the, the situations and scenarios whereby that we can get better and improve and, 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 and grow from that situation. It's all about learning to get better from that scenario. All about reviewing is all about getting better. Whereas often in, in a company or business, we, like, we don't want to make a mistake because that'll, be, that'll, that'll, that'll just end everything. Whereas my point of view is it's never fatal. There's always opportunities whenever you don't go well, whenever things don't go as well as you would like, or mistakes. It's about you making sure you learn from that and grow from that, and then surrounding yourself with people to help drive you. I look at this slide here as well, and the photo on the right and the photo on the left. One of them I had hair, which was great, but um, the photo on the left, that was in 2000, and I was the goal kicker for Australia. And I'll talk about goal setting and planning and overcoming adversity. That year, in the final of the Super Rugby, playing for the Brumbies, we, we should have won. I was a goal kicker. I didn't do my job. I missed, I think it was three or four kicks at goal. Probably three of them I should have kicked. We lost by one point. Um, as far as challenges and facing setbacks go, that was a really big one from a performance point of view for me in my career. So I short-term then set a goal for myself because basically it wasn't skill that let me down. It was my mental capacity to execute under, under extreme pressure. So I made a short-term goal and I'm improving my mental skills. And I guess overcoming adversity, right? I never wanted to be in that situation again when I felt like I let the team down. Or myself, but more the team, right? So the photo on the left, was before uh, kicking 2000 in Durban, where I ended up kicking the, kicking the goal to win the match. 
and we ended up winning the Tri-Nations Trophy for the first time ever. I think it was our first win on South African soil in the professional era as well, perhaps. Anyway, for me it was a turning point because that whole effort and impetus into mental skills, and that's what I call the ability to deal with pressure, it's actually a skill. A lot of people don't think it and they think, oh, sports psychology or psychologist, that's a bad thing. It's not at all. The brain's a muscle, needs to be used, needs, needs to be worked, needs to, you need to give it traits and attributes and, and skills to develop and improve. So dealing with extreme pressure and stress is a mental skill. And that year taught me about that. Once I'd ironed out that, more often than not, now I didn't kick all the goals that I had to win matches, but more often than not I, I did or went close. There was one I missed in the World Cup in 07. Um, the second picture with the Rebels was basically the first try ever for our club and the first win ever for our team and it was against my old club in the Brumbies. It was an ironic sort of day um, for me personally. But I look at that photo and I don't think about that at all. What I think about is again having to revisit the, my plan. Uh, I signed to go into Melbourne at the same time I actually had a what it was one of my 15, career, uh, 15 operations in my career. Just so happened that that, op that operation was the most career threatening that I'd ever had. Uh, I had a, a back injury, I had a back surgery. Basically, I remember waking up in the hospital and the physio telling me to get out of bed and go for a walk. And I remember saying to the physio, I can't. And she just said, Yes, you can get out of, you know, she wouldn't take it, which was great. My short-term focus and my short-term plan changed significantly from a person who was a professional rugby player to A, walking, which was a few days later, properly without a frame, to running, to eventually then training, and to eventually then playing, and end up being the captain and everything else. But for me, every time we have setbacks and adversity, it's a great time to reevaluate your plan and revisit it. You've got to be adaptable. This is a really, really inter interesting one. Controlling the controllables, because so often in life, there's so many things going on. We're all really, really busy, and we're all focusing on so many things. It's so important to actually nut, nut out, what can I focus on right now that I can control? Now, if I think about a goal kicking analogy, so when I, was miss, when I was missing those kicks at goal um, in, that, in that final, I was thinking about the outcome, I was thinking about the fact that I'd missed the last goal, I was thinking about how much pressure this is, this is. I was thinking about the fact that this was the best season ever and if I missed this, it was going to be a bad season. I was thinking about every single permutation and thing that I shouldn't have been thinking about because what I should have been thinking about is the process right now and what I could control. This is giving everything to this kick right now. And that's it. So it was a great learning experience for me just in that you know, rugby goal-kicking specific skill point of view, but it's something that we did all the time as a team. And then likewise in business, identify what, what you can control and don't worry about everything else. Don't worry about the, the crowd. Don't worry about if you miss. That's an outcome as well that you don't need to focus on. Focus on the process, focus on what you can control.
And the last one is back yourself. We're Aussies. That's what we do best. When our backs are against the walls, do we back ourselves? Bloody oath. Bloody oath. And to me, that's what we are. And backing yourself when you've got all these, all these nuts and bolts together, it's actually quite easy. And the last point I've got there is feed the good wolf. So basically, as I said, I went through my career, 15 seasons, averaged an operation every single season, faced adversity, faced setbacks, faced all those challenges. And about probably halfway through my career, I was constantly joking with my brother-in-law, it's all about feeding the good wolf. And I found this slide that totally articulated and, and, and said it perfectly. And it's taken from, a, I guess, an Indian, American Indian folklore, whereby inside all of us are two wolves. One's a good wolf and one's an evil wolf. And the evil wolf, the way I processed it, feed on all negative attributes, all negative things, all things that you don't, we don't like. Bad attributes. Anger, evil, envy, sorrow, guilt, resentment, ego. The other one is a good wolf. Feeds on all the good attributes. Positive, humility, kindness, generosity. And the one that wins is the one that you feed the most. So to me, I use that sort of mentality and processing in every scenario, almost every day. If you think about it from an operation point of view, I would straight away go with the news that I may, may never play rugby again. Okay, how do I feed the good wolf in this situation? To me at the time, it meant a lot, right? But I guess for me, to feed the good wolf, I'd say, okay, well, I've had a good run. I've managed to play professionally for a number of years. I've seen the world. I've even represented our country. That's a great career. And then I would say, well, how do I feed the good wolf? Well, I want to see the best surgeon, hopefully, in the world, or in Australia, or in New South Wales. I want to talk to my physio about what's the best way I can get back after this from a recovery point of view. I want to talk to my strength and conditioning coach about having a plan in place so that I do get back to being better than when I left the field with this injury. Talk to my coaches about what they would want me to do and everything else. So everything that I was doing from there onwards was feeding the good wolf. A great byproduct of being injured was I'd be with my family all the time. There is always opportunities to find positive scenarios in every, every situation. And for me, it's like every day you'll have situations that are out of your control. Scenarios will come at you, something's happened on the farm or whatever, right? You could go, bloody hell, this is gonna kill us, we're no good, how did this happen, yada, yada, yada? Or you can actually say, okay, how do we deal with this? How do we get through this? How do we get beyond this? How, how are we gonna make sure that we learn from this so this never happens again as well? To me, how you choose to respond to all these scenarios and situations that happen that are out of your control is feeding the good wolf. And that's what I, that's what I used it in every scenario. The last one, or second last one, is clarity of purpose and alignment. When I think about clarity, I think about vision, values, and role. So I said before, every year we used to sit down both the Brumbies level or Wallabies level, and we actually go through the vision of the year. 
What's the vision? What are, we, what are we trying to achieve? What's our collective why or collective purpose? And then we go through the values. What are, and usually there's only sort of three, five, seven values. And then lastly, what's my role? And often when we did that very, very, very well, that and that alone, that was a fantastic starting point for us to being incredibly successful. So I think about the Brumbies days when we were in early 2000s through to 2008 or so, Wallabies at 99, 2000, 2001, 2003. There was a period of time where Australia, we had won every trophy that we ever could have won. We did this really, really, really well. I think about Rod McQueen was fantastic at this. Um, in 2000, I'm going to show you the footage of 2000. Our vision for the whole entire year was to be one step ahead. And so Rod basically would talk to every single person in the organisation, how can you be contributing to making sure that we are one step ahead of everyone else? He had at the time league coaches, which was unheard of in rugby, a league defensive coach, a league strength and conditioning coach, because at the time they were the best in the world. He even spoke to our water boy and said, how can you be doing your job giving water better than anyone else in the world so we're one step ahead? Because if, it, it's hard to believe, but in a rugby team, some guys like salt water, some guys like salt water and, and Powerade. Some people just like water. Everyone likes different things. You wouldn't know that unless you had someone pushing, saying, how can you be one step ahead? Um, and alignment within that. I've just mentioned the Wallabies one step ahead. And once you have that clarity, a simple phrase that we used to talk about all the time, especially George Gregan when he was captain, would be do your job. That's it. Don't worry about the 20 things over here. Don't worry about everything else. Just do your job. Because we know if we all do our job really, really well, we've got that clarity, we know how we work together. Success is a byproduct. I don't know if any, many of you guys know NFL, American Gridiron footy, but the Patriots, the most successful team in the last 10 years, Bill Belichick is the, the coach. Every single time they get to talk about why or how they've been so successful, categorically, all the players say, I focus on doing my job, do your job, Tom Brady, they all just say it. There's no coincidence. It's all because they have defined clarity of purpose and clarity of role, and they just go out there and do it. And there's a the power of simplicity. So if I think about Eddie Jones, who was a fantastic coach, and he coached me for probably eight years of my career, coached England to an almost World Cup victory last year. Eddie Jones, what I thought was fantastic with him, he had a very strong ability across all the nitty-gritty and nuts and bolts and everything to do with the, the minutiae of rugby. But he was excellent at saying to me, Sterling, these are the two things that I want you to do this weekend. Absolute simplicity. Two things. You do those two things, mate, and I'll be bloody happy with you. And if I think about that in a, an example, in the World Cup, someone remember the World Cup in 2003 that we hosted? That whole game plan was very simple, but also 
what Eddie said to me, my job, my whole job, was inside shoulder focus in attack. That was it. He was like, Stanley, if you do that, we'll bloody win, mate. <laughs> and that's all I went out into the game and said, that's my job. And we never looked like losing. The whole entire team had that laser focus. Now, I spoke about 2000 with Rod McQueen and what that happens when you have an environment whereby we have absolute clarity of purpose, we have alignment within the group of our values and our, and our mission statement or our vision. And that provides really simple framework to be really super efficient. This is my first ever Bledisloe Cup game. So Bledisloe Cup, playing New Zealand for the first time. I'm marking Jonah Lomu. Now, I'm sort of slightly big, 6'3". Jonah was like 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. I weighed at my best 108 or whatever. Around that time, I was more like 103. Jonah weighed categorically 115, 120 kgs. He was a friggin' monster. And I remember going into the game quite scared, <laughs> but talking to my roomie, Joe Roth, and he's like, mate, if you get lost in the haka, because the haka is very confronting when you first face it. If you get lost in the haka, mate, there's a few small whiteys like Andrew Mertens. Just stare him down, mate. You'll be fine. <laughs> and I was like, Rothy, shut up, mate. Anyway, I was like, don't be, you're an idiot. And so there I am, 110,000 out at Stadium Australia because it was configured for the Olympics, facing the haka. And all I'm thinking is, don't look at Jonah, don't look at Jonah. <laughs> but I'm over here and Jonah's right there. And I'm like, oh, there's Jonah. <laughs> Jonah's eyes are rolling back like poker machines and he's might as well be breathing fire out of his nose. And he's just going, I'm going to eat you, Mortlock. And that was the first time that I was facing against New Zealand. This is a team that we're world champions. We had alignment, we had everything. So basically, biggest game of my life up, up until that stage. And we were down 24 nil after eight minutes. And I remember sitting, standing in front of uh, in the goal, at the goals after their third try, and every single player on the team even though we were world champions, was flustered. We were like deers in headlights. So many things were going on. Everyone was not connected. Everyone was all off with the pixies. And at that time, John Eels was our captain. He was an amazing leader. And Eelsie actually just stood there and waited until everyone connected and started looking at Eelsie. And then all he said was, guys, we have not touched the ball. They've played exceptional rugby, but let's get the ball, retain the ball, and see how they deal with pressure. And he almost said it that calmly. To me, that's the power of being in an environment whereby we had absolute clarity and we had great leadership as well. Leadership is not about just going crazy and, and trying to get everyone up. It's actually about being really instilling confidence and communication as much, clarity of communication as much about body language as it is about what you say and how you say it. The last point I had was smell the roses. Now that's an interesting one, especially in corporate environment or in a company when we're all busy and we're doing what we do, it's very hard at times to pull back and say, let's celebrate the small wins. But for me, it's critical. We've got to enjoy what I do. We've got to make sure we celebrate our small successes. Um, it's been an absolute privilege here today. Hopefully you've taken a few pearls of wisdom.
thank you very much for having me, guys. I'll be out there to have a chat afterwards. That was Sterling Mortlock speaking at the Young Farmer Business Program Conference in Dubbo. Want to learn more about what it takes to create a successful primary production business? Check out the rest of The Business of Farming in your podcast app or online. Coming up in the next episode. Learn the five key elements to creating a successful career in agriculture from Nigel Kieran. If you're doing negotiation and you've got to get this over the line with a husband and wife that are exiting agriculture, you've got to be addressing each of those key people in that business to make sure you sell this to them where there is no worries about you ever doing anything wrong and creating a great win-win situation.